Thank you, Chloe. That was beautiful, beautiful. Now this rebel heart belongs to you. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter 21. We're coming close to the end of our study in the book of John, the Gospel of John, verse by verse. We're in chapter 21, the last chapter, and we'll cover uh, three verses today. Uh, we'll start in verse 15 in just a moment. I want to remind you where we are. In, we're in this epilogue. We're in this chapter that the other Gospels didn't have. Uh, the other Gospels ended with the resurrection. And uh, John goes one more chapter to answer some questions, I think, as a part of that. If you look back at your screen for a moment... Let me just remind you of a couple of questions that's answered in this epilogue. One is, will Jesus continue to provide for his own? He had taken care of that group of disciples. And uh, will he continue to do that? They, they didn't know. And, uh, but uh, uh, this first 14 verses uh, shows that he will. He gave them a big, a big uh, catch of fish so they could pay some bills and feed their families and after being out all night he had some fish and bread on the fire for them and uh, he still takes care of his own even today he's a good shepherd and he takes care of his sheep and then the uh, second question which we'll answer today or uh, through this passage is will Peter continue to serve and lead Peter denied the Lord three times even cursed to prove he did not know the man, he said. Wow. And uh, so what's going to become of Peter? And then uh, here's some object lessons that I see in this. Some living parables, as we've said. Uh, one, the catch of fish. It's about catching men. It's about evangelism. It's about being a... Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. That catch of fish is a beautiful object lesson of fishing for men. And then the feast at the fire is a beautiful picture of drawing our strength from Christ himself. Come and dine, he said. And then Jesus questions Peter. That's the portion that we will look at today. Look back at your scripture now. Let's read just that first verse, 15. Keep your Bibles open then. It says, so when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. Father, thank you for this wonderful passage of Scripture. And I pray that you would speak to our hearts today. 
Lord Jesus, may we see what you were teaching Peter, and may you teach us as well. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Evangelism is a big part of this chapter. I was thinking of some things this past week, and I thought again of a story you may have heard in years gone by. It's been a long time since I told it. I, I was out doing some work in the inner city some years ago, and Christy was with me, our middle daughter. She was about 12 or 13 at the time, and there was another young man with us. His father was a pastor here in Greensboro, and he was the same age, and it was just the three of us. So we drove around some neighborhoods trying to find a group of children. This is in the summer, in the middle of the day, or later in the day. And, uh, and so we found a small group of children playing out and asked them if they'd like to have a Bible lesson and see some magic, and they said yes. And so we, we gathered a small little group under a tree. It wasn't as big as we would have liked, and there wasn't any older children, mostly just younger children. So I don't give an invitation to the younger children. I just, uh, we just teach and leave it with them. Uh, so we gathered the children and we were about to start and this young man comes over to me and uh, says to me, we want to know what you're doing with these children. So I looked, he, he motioned back, I looked over and there was an apartment building right, not too far from us. And, uh, and there was a, what I would call a gang was right out in front of that building. And uh, it was a four-story building, and there was a couch in the front yard. When I say yard, there wasn't any grass. It was all dirt. But, and there was a couch. It was not an outdoor couch. It was just an indoor couch that somebody had moved outdoors. And uh, in the middle of that couch was setting this really big man. I mean, he was big. He was tall. He was huge. He was heavy. And I'm not trying to make fun or poke fun. He, his, he had his shirt off and had on a pair of shorts. And he looked like Buddha. You know, you've seen those, those uh, statues and pictures of Buddha. That's what he looked like. He was huge. And on the arm of the chair, um, couch on one side, a man was sitting, another man was sitting on that side. There was about 10, 15, I guess about 10 to 15 uh, in what I would consider this gang. Now, they were not young. They were not middle schoolers or high schoolers. These were older men. These were men in their 20s and 30s. This was a very rough neighborhood. They were not the kind of gang that would carry knives much. They were the kind of gangs that would carry guns. And uh, so... This young man comes over to me and says, we want to know what you're doing with these kids. And I said, well, I'm going to uh, do some magic, and then I'm going to teach them a Bible lesson. Okay. So he goes back and reports to Buddha. And uh, Buddha sends him back, and uh, he says, when you get through here, come over and do the magic for us. And I said, okay. So we had our Bible lesson did the magic Bible lesson and all for the children. And then the time we were finished and the time came. And so I took Christy and this other young man back to the car and locked them in the car. And uh, the car was about as far, I don't know, as from here to the, uh, maybe here to the front, the very front door of the uh, building. So Christy could hear, 
she rolled her window down a little bit so she could hear and uh, she and I talked about this last night on the phone and so uh, there was 10, 15 of these men and I came up and I shook hands with Buddha and nodded at the other guys and so forth and they were not all that pleasant and uh, and so I did some magic several pieces whatever I had with me that day and I did some magic for them and without any hesitation at all I went right from the magic into preaching which is what I had kind of planned when I was teaching the kids I was thinking about what I was going to do over there so uh, so that there wasn't a break I just went right into preaching and I preached the cross and what Jesus did for us on the cross and because we are sinful mankind is sinful and Jesus died for our sin and I talked about the details of the torture of the cross and so forth and well by the time I was halfway through the magic people were hanging out of those windows watching and listening now there was no there was no air conditioning in these buildings every single window was open to start with but they heard something going on down here and they began to watch and there was about 10 windows across the front of that building is four stories high, so about 40 windows maybe. By the time I was halfway through the magic, there was somebody looking out just about every one of those windows, if not every single one of them. Some, some were uh, 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 some women, some young men, some children uh, looking out the windows. By the time I got through with the magic, those numbers were getting a little bigger up there. There might be four or five people, the whole family looking out the window. And anyway, so I preached, and then I had decided I would give an invitation, a little bit of an invitation. So, so all these decisions I'm making right here, you know, asking the Lord for help. And, and so I gave an invitation, asked them to pray right where they are. I didn't ask anybody to raise their hands. Uh, I just asked them to pray to receive Christ if they really wanted to repent of their sin and so forth. So when it was over, I went to shake hands with Buddha again. And this time, when he shook my hand, he held on to it. He took his other hand, put it on top of mine, patted my hand, said, thank you, preacher. Thank you, preacher. While we were doing that, one of the men, I failed to tell you, all of them had beer with them, alcohol. They didn't, they didn't have cans. They had big quart bottles. One of the guys, while I'm shaking hands with Buddha, walked over and, and threw his quart bottle of, of alcohol into this big 50-gallon garbage can that was over there on the side of the building. Well, the others saw him do it. Some others walked over and did it, and then some others. And I, I, nearly every one of them threw their booze away. Now, I don't know if that was in honor of God or if that, they felt like somehow that honored me or if they... Uh, were under conviction I do not know but they certainly threw their booze away and then they all thanked me and I turned was walking to my car and I heard somebody running up behind me and I turned around and it was a young man about uh, I don't know late teens early 20s something like that and he said preacher I wanted you to know that I prayed with you and asked the Lord Jesus into my heart. He said, I was in that window right there and turned around and pointed that. I was in that window right there and I heard you preach and I asked Jesus into my heart. 
And I told him it was wonderful and helped him with assurance a little bit and standing. And he did this right in front of all that gang. And uh, we stood there in the parking lot and had prayer together and I asked God to bless him. And, and then I got in the car and drove away. It was a remarkable day. I cast the net out and I don't know what I caught for sure, but it did seem that I caught this one man at least, young man. But you know, it's the Lord Jesus is the real fisher of men, isn't he? Luke tells us that Jesus came into this world. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. He seeks them out. He goes, he goes fishing. He just lets us get in on it. He was after this young man. Maybe some of the others too, I don't know. But he was after this young man. Think of all the things that had to take place for this young man to hear the gospel on that week, some weekday, I don't know, in the summer. It might have been a Tuesday or a Thursday. I was driving around looking for a neighborhood, just randomly, as it would seem, chose that particular neighborhood. Then we were looking for a place where there was a gathering of kids. There happened to be kids playing close enough for that gang to see what was happening. And then... I had to make the decision when they asked me, am I going to go over and do magic for these guys and, and uh, risk the children um, or not? I decided to go. Then I had to make the decision, was I going to preach Are they after the magic? That, would they get mad because I was preaching? And, <laughs> and then I had to make a decision whether I was going to give an invitation or not. And I decided to give an invitation. All those decisions had to be made for that for that one boy, young man, to hear the gospel and give his heart to Christ. And the Lord Jesus was orchestrating all of this because he's the one who is seeking. He's seeking people. He's fishing and seeking to, and saving those that are lost. It's important that you and I keep throwing the net. Now, none of us, I, I don't think any of you, maybe some of our young people will grow up to be a Billy Graham. But most of us will not. <laughs> Billy Graham would cast his net and catch hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands. But you and I might catch one fish along the way. And maybe then catch another and I don't know, if we could catch one or two or three, all of us along the way, wouldn't that be glorious? Jesus wants to use us. He's seeking and saving, but he needs our hands and our feet and our lips and our willingness. So keep casting your nets. Last night, our church threw out a big collective net. Last night was the trunk or treat and we had 920 people come through. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, hey man, yeah. 920 people came through. And uh, our church threw a big net out. You might say, well, they just came to get some candy and so forth, but, but yet here's how we threw the net. Everybody received a track, a gospel track telling about the cross and telling about salvation. There was a word search puzzle that everybody worked that had the names of God in it. And Karen put this puzzle together. 
and it had the scriptures for people to read if they wanted to about the names of God where they were found in the Bible. Uh, there was invitations given for people to come to church and uh, Kobe and some youth workers uh, and some, some of his youth, I mean, were out there passing out invitations for people to come to the youth group. And there was kindness and food and love shown. And in all those things, we were casting out the gospel net. One lady, one lady had a, a van full of kids. And because the line was so long to get in, she ran out of gas right here in, in the church parking lot. And so Karen called some of our men, and they went and, to Harley's house and found his, his gasoline for his lawnmower and put gas in the, in the van for her. She asked, what time are your services? Indicating she would like to maybe come. Loving kindness, throwing out that net. Keep, keep throwing yours out. You know, that person that you invited to church two or three years ago and was not the least bit interested, God may have been working on them. They may have had some troubles and problems in their life. They may be thinking about um, the things of God now. You invite them now, they may come. So don't give up, don't quit. Keep Allowing the Lord to use you as he seeks and saves. Now, that was the first 14, again, about, uh, about fishing for men. Come back to your text now. And notice, again, this is after they had dined, after they had their meal and was fellowshipping and rejoicing together. Jesus says to Simon, to Peter, Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than thee? More than what? Well, think about it. Simon was there on the beach. He was a professional fisherman. He'd fished all night. The, the, you know, the smell of the, of the water and the sun coming up, the, the sunrise, and he's there with his friends, and they're eating on an open food off an open fire. And uh, Simon, do you love me more than all these things? The Lord asks us, too, do we love him more than our profession, more than our money, more than our friends, more than our hobbies, more than even our families? Do you love me more than all these things? He could have been speaking in, in that idea of all these things. Or he may have been referring to the other disciples, do you love me, look at it again, more than these? Do you love me more than these men? Well, you remember the night before the cross, Jesus said that people, his disciples were going to be offended at him. And Simon spoke up and said, not me. Though everybody else, the rest of them might do it. I'll just be honest with you. I'm, I'm paraphrasing Peter. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Those others might do it, but not me. Everybody else might forsake you, but I'll not forsake you. And Jesus said, you're going to forsake me three times. Deny me before uh, the uh, 
rooster crows. And Simon didn't say, oh, no, please, Lord, don't let that happen. He said, no, it's not going to happen. I would die first. So maybe Jesus was referring to these men. Do you love me more than these men? But if you love me more than these men, it also means you love me more than all this around, this atmosphere of, of the fishing and and the things you love to do. Do you love me more than everything else? He saith unto him, that's Peter, yea, or yes, yes, Lord. Thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, feed my lambs. Then he said a second time, verse 16, he said again a second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, yes, Lord, Thou knowest that I love thee, saith unto him, feed my sheep. By the way, that second word sheep in verse six, uh, in uh, the second word feed in verse 16 is a different word. In, in that first word meant to f literally feed, to give food to. That second word means to tend, to take care of. Take care of my sheep. Verse 17, he saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved. He was saddened. He was grieved because he said unto him, uh, the third time lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. You know my failure. You know my weaknesses. You know everything about me better than I know myself. You know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Going back to that first word, feed. Feed my sheep. What a beautiful setting and illustration, object lesson this is for all of us. Now, there's some interesting play on words in these three verses. Look back at your screen for a moment. And uh, you'll see there are three key words, as I would call them, all with two slightly different meanings. For instance, love. There's two different words used, phileo and agape. Phileo means to love deeply or greatly. Agape means to love supremely. They're synonyms. They can and are both translated love. But there's a slight variation. And then the word feed means to feed or to give food. That second word, as I pointed out in verse 16, is to tend or to care for, take care of. And then the third word is lambs. Lambs means young sheep. And uh, then when he says sheep two different times, he's talking about all the sheep, his whole flock uh, that you have come in contact with. Feed my sheep. Tend my sheep. Now, this is, uh, this is an important passage, and I want us to think about it together, about those the word, first of all, the word feed. That's the, that's what we think of as a pastor's job, to feed the flock, and that's right, and that's good. But other of God's people, 
feed a flock and tend a flock. Mothers tend a flock of children. And they should teach them the word and nourish them up in the things of the Lord. A Sunday school teacher is a shepherd or a pastor to that Sunday school class, whether it be teens or adults or children. Denya and her outreach program, she is a pastor, a shepherd to those kids. Now, she, she's not a pastor in our church, and she's not a pastor in, in a local church, for that is for men, only for men. And women are not supposed to teach men or have authority over men in the church. But with her children, she is a, a shepherd and a pastor. I'm using that word shepherd and pastor because that word feed is, can be translated to pastor or to shepherd. She feeds. Karen pastors her ladies' class. People at work, some people have a little group at work, they pastor, they shepherd they help them along in their Christian faith and encourage them and teach them. So there are these many ways in which someone can be a pastor. But the, the emphasis in the New Testament is for the local church pastor to feed the sheep. So that's a thought about feeding. I've already spoken just a moment about the lambs. I want us to talk about those two words for love now. Phileo is, is translated love 22 times in the New Testament. 29 times it's translated friend. If you look it up in a Greek dictionary, it'll say something like this. To like, to be fond of, to love, brotherly love. A love between two friends. But it's also a love between a mother and father and their children our children and their parents so it's it's not a weak love by any means but it is used in a variety of ways if you look at all the places in the New Testament and uh, and you look at the definitions from the different Greek dictionaries you come up with the idea that phileo is used in varying degrees Let's say there are 10 degrees of love. And the first nine are phileo. And the last one is agape, because that is the, that is the love wherewith God loves us. It's the superior, supreme love. So let's think about 10 degrees of love for a moment. Just quickly, I'll just name them. If you use, again, the definition of phileo, it could be to be fond of, to be very fond of, to like, to like a lot, to love, to love more, to love much, to love deeply, to love greatly. That's nine in case you were counting. And then ten would be to love supremely. And that would be the agape love. So in there's varying degrees of love. Now when in phileo. Now when Jesus asked. He asked Peter. Do you love me agape? Do you love me supremely? 
Peter says, you know that I love you. And he uses a different word. He uses phileo. You know I love you greatly. Now, he didn't mean it in one of these lesser degrees. He didn't mean, Lord, you know I'm fond of you. He didn't mean that. He didn't mean, Lord, you know I like you. He didn't mean that. He meant phileo in the strongest sense, I think. Lord, I, you, I love you deeply. I love you greatly. But Jesus was asking, do you love me supremely? So there's a variation in, in those words. And then the second time, Jesus asked again, do you love me phileo? Do you love me supremely? And he answered again, I love you greatly. The third time, Jesus uses Peter's word. He says, do you love me greatly? Peter says, yes, you know I love you greatly. Now, I've inserted those words into this to help you understand and think about this with me. This is verse 15. PPP, that's Pastor Paul's paraphrased. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, do you supremely love me more than these? He saith unto him, Yes, Lord, you know that I greatly love you. And he said, Feed my lambs. Now, verse 16 looks the same. Jesus asked, Do you love me supremely? And he answers, I love you greatly. But the, in verse 17, the third time, and Jesus said the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you greatly love me? Now he's using Simon's word. Do you greatly love me? And he said unto him, Lord, you know all things. You know all about me. You know that I greatly love you. Jesus said unto him, feed my lambs. And so Jesus said, if you love me greatly, get to work. Feed my lambs. Serve me. And along the way, this is my additional thought, along the way, keep praying that you'll love me supremely. But get busy now feeding my lambs. So, love is the great motive of the Christian life. We're to do what we do because we love Jesus. In the workplace, at home, in the church, all of our service should be for that reason. Look at this verse now about shepherding the, the church, feeding the church. Paul, this is from the Apostle Paul, and it is, he's speaking to the elders at Ephesus. The elders are the pastors. And he says, take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock, that's a flock of sheep, over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased in his own blood. By the way, some organization, religious organizations have bishops, they have pastors, and they have elders. Elders would rule in the local church and the pastor would be the person who does the preaching and, and, the, uh, and the bishops would rule over multiple churches. But Bible-believing Baptists think the scripture teaches, and you can see it right here, that the bishop 
which means overseer, the pastor, which means shepherd, feeder, and the elder, which means someone who is mature, they're all the same person. They're all the same office. You can see it here, for instance. He said he's talking to elders. If we backed up some and had time to look at that, you'd see he's speaking to elders. So he says to the elders that, uh, oh, that you should take the oversight. Oversight, that's the exact word translated bishop. So he says, be the bishop. And then he says, feed the church of God. The word feed is the word that can be translated pastor or shepherd. So he says to the elders, be the bishop and pastor the flock, feed the flock. And then again, Peter. Now remember, Peter's the one in our text. Thirty years later, he writes this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. No doubt he's thinking back to that time on the shore of Galilee when Jesus asked him those three probing questions. Now he says, and he's speaking, verse 1, he's speaking to the elders. Feed the flock of God which is among you. Taking the oversight, there's the word bishop. Taking the position of a bishop thereof. Not by constraint, but willingly. Not for filthy lucre or not for ill-gotten gain or, or shady uh, finances, but for a, of a ready mind. You know, these two verses became very dear to me after I had my stroke a year and a half ago because I didn't know if I would ever preach again. And uh, the doctors were telling me I had to slow down. I couldn't work 50 and 60 hour weeks anymore, and I had to slow down. And so my neurologist asked me, he said, if you could, if you could recover and, and do one thing, what would you want to do? And I thought about it for a second, and I said, preach. The therapist asked me the same thing, and I gave the same answer, preach. That's what I would like to do. And so these two verses became very important because I feel like though I can't do everything I used to do, I can still feed the flock. I can still feed the church with the Word of God. And so the men here at the church helped me to do that. Pastor Jason, of course, and Greg and Harley, and now Harley, of course, taking on the... Uh, assistant associate pastor and so they've worked together and worked hard so that I could continue to shepherd and feed the church now Billy Graham was the great evangelist of our day I think Dr. David Jeremiah is the great pastor of our day now that's just my opinion I think he's America's pastor <clears throat> and we're going to show a film series starting this coming Wednesday of David Jeremiah's latest book. And it won't be about the book, but the book contains the same thing the sermons contain. We'll have ten sermons preached in the order he preached them in his church, the order that they are in the book. And uh, I want you to come and be a part of that. Because he will be feeding us. Three times Peter denied the Lord. Three times Jesus asked him, do you love me? I think he was already forgiven 
Remember, Jesus met with him on Sunday afternoon after the resurrection. I believe he was already forgiven. This was a public, this was publicly restoring him to a place of leadership that he had previous to his fall. Let me move here quickly. I've got, I've got running out of time. Look at your screen for a moment. Some important principles that we take from these first 17 verses. One is, for the church, evangelism is a priority. The church that doesn't evangelize is not functioning as a New Testament church. Secondly, for the church, feeding the sheep is a priority. Third, without Christ we can do nothing. They fished all night, caught nothing. Jesus said, do it this way, and they caught uh, a net full. We can trust the Lord for strength. Jesus said, come and dine, remember? Come and get refreshment. Now, this was, again, an object lesson. Jesus doesn't meet us, you know, outside the, uh, the back door with a, little, a literal fire and some fish and bread. But Jesus would say this, I am the bread of life. We come to him and receive from him the strength we need to live the life and to serve him. And then love for Jesus is the great motive for serving Christ. Revelation 2, 4, Jesus speaking of the church at Ephesus, he, he talked about all the good things they did and then he said, I've got one thing against you. You've left your first love. They were still busy. They were still working. That's the context says it. But they were not doing it because they loved him. Jesus said, therefore, I'm going to give you some time to repent and start over again. Start your first works over again. In other words, start serving me because you love me like you did at the beginning. It's easy for us to get to that place, isn't it? And so it was for them. Colossians 1.18 says, In all things he's to have the preeminence. Let's give him that rightful place. The video is a short video. It's only these three verses, but I think it's done well. Now remember, the video uses a paraphrased. Paraphrased means not only is it translated, but there is uh, interpretation in there as well. And you'll see that uh, in this particular paraphrase, uh, Jesus says, do you love, love me more than the rest of these men? That's what he indicates. That may be the case. It may not be the case, as I said earlier. And then also, he, he takes the word feed, or they, this translation does, takes the word feed and uses it all three times the same, take care of my sheep. Now, that's not wrong because these words are synonyms. And they indicate taking care. One emphasizes feeding and one emphasizes uh, overall care. With that said, let's, let's watch this uh, beautiful little clip. It may have looked something like this. After they had eaten, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these others do? 
Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Take care of my lambs. A second time, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Take care of my sheep. A third time, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, Do you love me? Peter became sad because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? And so he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Listen closely and you can hear the Lord speaking to your soul. Do you love me? Do you love me more than these? If so, serve me. Bow with me for just a minute. Lord, thank you for our time together. You know our hearts. May each of us be able to say, Lord, we love you greatly. May you speak to us now. May you teach us. May we, may we say yes when you say, serve me. Whatever that service is, whatever you've called us to do, that we would serve you with all of our heart because we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me, please. We're still going to sing one.